0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On
0: Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, let's dive back into the questions and the comments. Jeff here on the Aloha Live Edition of the locked on reds podcast i'm trying to scroll here gang and talk at the same time which is difficult for me let's see what this has to hold for us bobby says other than jonathan india would you be the most comfortable who would you be the most comfortable with trading this offseason that is expected to be on the roster on opening day comfort comfort we're talking about no um (laughs) I don't know that there's anybody I would be comfortable with trading besides Jonathan India. I would be accepting if the return looked good. But Jonathan India, I think, is the one guy that, you know, I'm not be happy to see Jonathan go, but I'm kind of expecting it. Um, There's nobody else on the active major league roster that I'm expecting to be dealt that I would be comfortable with dealing um I think everybody that's on this active roster right now is going to be a stud
0: yeah and I think too the the question kind of underlies a couple of different things like who who would actually not necessarily hurt but who would you be a little bit kind of leery of dealing but you're kind of okay with it because it, it, the players that you're okay with dealing are guys like Barrero or, you know, people that you're not expecting to get a lot of playing time. I think if you're picking of the people that you expect to get a lot of playing time, I'd probably say Jake Fraley, but even then he had some nice moments last year that I think will continue. Um, Maybe. And, and this one, this one's kind of tough because it depends on what you get back and you're opening up a spot that you really don't have a ready-made replacement for. But based on what baseball trade value says his value is currently at and what you and I have discussed that we don't necessarily see it getting any higher, I think I could squint and say I think I'd be okay if TJ Friedel is involved in a trade, but who's playing center field if you do that? That's, That's the big question mark there. But I think you and I both agree that if you were to include him in a trade right now, you're probably trading him at the highest point that his value will ever be at
1: you heard it right here, folks. Jeff wants to trade TJ Friedel, TJ Friedel's on the block. I won't even hashtag that one. That was no, you know what, Jeff, you're probably right. You talk about a buy low sell high scenario. If, if, if you were to package Friedel, but I I don't think they're going to do that, but, but you're right. I want to go to this one. We haven't really spent a lot of time talking about this guy, but I, you know, you're, you're the, the ground ball advocator. So, uh, So Buckeye says Strowman is a ground ball pitcher and could play at Great American Ballpark and and overcome the outfield defense, basically, is what Buckeye's trying to say here. What do you think about Strowman? We really haven't spent much time talking about him at all.
0: No, and and his profile is, is one that I would welcome as far as a starting pitcher goes. The only concern with him, and it's a minor concern, it's not anything I think that would preclude the Reds from going after him, is that most people who report on Marcus Stroman say that he's not exactly the biggest team guy. And our position is that we've always said this locker room can just about absorb any personality and really make it part of the team. But I just, I kind of wonder a little bit about a guy like Marcus Stroman, who's been there, who's done that, who's been kind of like the guy on a couple of different franchises now. What does that personality mix you know, what, what's that do to the Reds clubhouse? That might be the consideration why we're not hearing a lot of rumors about the Reds going after him. But again, this, the organization is pretty tight lipped. So whenever the move comes, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Marcus Stroman, because that ground ball rate is very tantalizing at a place like great American. And we've seen some other moves that the Reds have made of guys that are more fly ball oriented than ground ball oriented. So I'd love to see that type of move, but the personality questions, Sort of are in the back of my mind if you make that move.
1: I wonder if Strowman is is in that category you have talked about, where it's not so much about the value uh, the annual value of his contract. Spot Trek has him uh market value 15.6 million dollars per season. Right. I wonder if it's less about that and more about the years that he is probably gonna want. He's 32 years old, he's probably gonna want a four or five-year deal. And, and probably the last year
0: about, that he really could get a huge deal
1: exactly and so uh, and as you have talked about it doesn't look like nick crawl really wants to give out those type of deals uh, that he is more looking to keep money that will come off the books in time to start buying out some arbitration years on all these young players
0: i think and, and let's put it this way i think if we were to ask nick crawl this i think he would answer this way would you rather and you have to choose one would you rather give Clayton Kershaw two years of seventy million, or give Marcus Stroman five years of twenty million per? And I think that he would actually pick the Kershaw one.
1: I do too, because I think you're absolutely onto something with this whole. He wants to keep the money off the books for buying out arbitration, which which makes a lot of sense. Because I mean, you and I, and we haven't talked about it a lot here recently, but there's another. There's probably another contract coming this yeah. year before the end of the season that looks a lot like the Hunter Green contract which
0: and and by the way you mentioned this there was something that I saw earlier and let me let me find it here cuz I wanted to ask you this I would be I think I would be on board for something like this and I'm trying to find it so that we can give the guy credit or or gal who said it ah here it is Matthew Nielsen said, should the Reds extend Spencer Steer? And I think that, you know, his personality and his willingness to do whatever the team wants him to do would definitely lean
1: to that being a good idea. He's probably the second guy on my list right now. I want Matt McClain to be the one that they buy out the arbitration years on um, here pretty quick. Uh, Now, hey, why not do both? I, I just, okay. but, but for me, the pecking order, if they're going to do it, is Matt McClain, Spencer Steer. I don't think we're there yet with Ellie, and I know that people might get me yelled at. But I don't, I don't think do that it. he has to do I too much. We're to quite it. There yet. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. But if I'm ranking them right now, McLean, Steer, De La Cruz, that's, that's the pecking order. In buying out the arbitration years.
0: Let's take this a step further, and I'll ask you, and I'll ask uh, the folks uh, checking us out here on this live edition of the podcast, uh, what what you think if the Reds, and, and and this is also a question that I I don't know the answer to myself, but if the Reds were to forego adding another starting pitcher, but they sign at least one of these young guys to a long term deal. Would you be as excited or more excited if they did add that pitcher? So, so would you give the offseason a better grade if they didn't add a pitcher, but they did extend
1: one of their young players? And the silence is telling. No, you know what? Maybe I don't know how much of a bump I would give them. I said I give them a C. Does that get them up to a B? Maybe not. I give them a C. Mm-hmm. Because that's an uh, that's a uh, important move for the long term stability of the franchise. However, you know what I wanted from the offseason was to clearly cement the Cincinnati Reds as the the contender to win the Central and be a true playoff challenge for anybody else uh, heading for World Series baseball. So the extension doesn't do that, but it does set up the long term viability of the franchise so i'd give him a little i'd give him a little credit for that he gets some extra credit points bump him up to a very high c but if he wants he wants that higher letter grade he needs to make another move uh jeff i want to circle back to the joey Votto talk for just a minute because debbie brown hooked us up this is the quote this is the tweet if my clicker will work let's try again there we go this was what joey Votto tweeted out Jeff being a free agent is like that scene from gravity where Sandra Bullock detaches from Explorer you're all alone no one is answering your calls and you don't know if you'll get to base that was the tweet from Joey Votto I think you can almost be in Joey I
0: think you can almost interpret that as much as he's probably not getting a whole lot of folks that are interested in signing him as Maybe he's not hearing from the Reds either and that he kind of expected that to be, you know, his safety net and it's not there like he thought it could be. That's and, and that's probably a little bit of a pessimistic way to do it. But Joey loves to use social media to kind of take a colloquial way of saying exactly what he's feeling. And I'm sure exactly what he's feeling right now is he thought he'd have a deal.
1: Are you surprised at how good he is? At that. I I you know, I wish I will tell you what, I don't bag a lot on anybody that's been in Cincinnati media or or talk bad. I I have talked about grumpy old guys behind the mic a couple times, and everybody knows who I mean when I say things like that and don't go there a whole lot. But in this one instance, I wish Marty Brenneman had been nicer to Joey Votto, and I wish so much that this Joey Votto. Had Come been on. around the whole time and just counteracted all of that negative talk that had gone on. Uh, Joey Votto is probably one of the most underappreciated franchise legends I have ever seen. And that's a big part of it. And I just, I just wish this Joey had been around for his entire career. And I know baseball wasn't in that place as much when he started but man wouldn't that have been fun especially in those years where this team was just horrid and and we had nothing to really talk about if joey had been providing some antics that had been yeah. great
0: i've had a i've had a theory about social media for a long time and joey vado absolutely supports this theory is that introverts are far better at social media than extroverts are because extroverts just want to get on there and say anything that comes to their mind or talk about anything that happens and it's not always the case. Like introverts really think about what they're typing out, think about what they're about to say. And it's always very well planned and well done. And Joey just absolutely nails that. So it's, it's never surprised me that he's been good at this because I've always known that, you know, his personality would play well to social media.
1: All right, let's move on to a couple other things. Uh, Nick checks in and says that uh, mighty Matt shout out to that since he shirts, uh, it's going to be a thirty twenty guy and the next captain, man. I hope so. We talk about this from time to time, Jeff. And, and I, I don't know why I don't understand, uh, why the reds have yet to issue that C again, since Barry Larkin, um, Barry's talked about it. Um, it would not hurt Barry's feelings. I mean, for God's sakes, he talked about giving it to Kyle farmer. Uh, it, it wouldn't hurt his feelings. And he also said at that time that it's it's a thing the Reds do. It's not the players. It's not it. It's the team, and they haven't done it since Barry Larkin. I don't know why Joey Votto never got that, and I, I feel like he should have somewhere along the way.
0: Do you think it's a media thing, like they don't want there to be a focal point at the end of every game? Like you know, think about at the end of a bad game that the Yankees had, the first person that every reporter went to was Derek Jeter. And maybe they're trying to dissuade that and, and trying to, you know, steer the media away from being like, this is the guy that you need to hammer, or this is the guy that you need to go to first and foremost at, at the end of every game. I, I don't think that's, I, I think that's probably a big, a big part of it. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel is offering this amazing promotion right now as we're going through the stretch run of the NFL season. There's only two regular season weeks left. This year is just blown by. It's, it's unbelievable. And you can get in on the action now at fanduelcom slash locked on and check out this promo offer. Your first $5 winning Moneyline bet is going to get you $150 in bonus bets with that. It's a kind of odds that you will never see on a money line. Like if you bet $5 on a money line, you win 150 bucks. You must be betting for, I don't know, like, talking about probably ricky karcher to throw an immaculate inning i bet that's probably what the odds would have to be on that one but if you want to check it out today go to fanduel.com locked on they've got all kinds of great uh, lines and spreads and and player props over unders and things like that when it comes to the nfl the nba college basketball plus they've got mlb futures as well talked about this before the reds are plus at 450 to win the nl central don't necessarily believe that adding buck farmer is going to move that line at all but i think that it's going to continue to add value to it so you should jump in on that line right now that's fanduel.com slash locked on and take advantage of the promotional offer of five dollar winning money line bet getting you 150 dollars for new users fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel is an official partner of the nfl
1: and the official sports book of locked on that could be right um i'm not sure but I, I think the time has come. Let's, let's do it, especially with this young group that is going to be together for a long time. Let's, let's give somebody the seat. I, I want to see it return, uh, at least for a little while. And I would love for it to be Matt McLean. I've said that several times as early as last season, and it was probably a little premature when I said it. But you can see it. You can, you can watch him play. You can watch how he carries himself on the field And you can see him in that role on the field. You can see him being that guy that pulls everybody together on the infield real quick and like settle down, get it together. You can see him in that role.
0: Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. Let me ask you this. Does he get the C while Jonathan India is on the roster?
1: Ah, well, maybe that's the issue. So, um, yeah, I, I think he can. Um, I, I, I think that, Nick Kroll has been willing to publicly state time and time again, he's listening to offers for India. Oh, you know, I don't really want to trade him, but call me. You know, those kind of those kind of press conferences, I, I don't think he'd worry at all about hurting Jonathan India's feelings. I, I could totally see because there's there's two there's two things here. There's your on field captain. There's, you know, you give that guy the C, he's the one. And then there's your veteran, for lack of a better way to describe India at this point, that's behind the scenes in the clubhouse. You know, sharing some wisdom, you know, rah rah and guys up. India can still still fill that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think the C changes that. But when you're talking about a guy that you know is going to be here, uh, if they give McLean an extension or buy out his arbitration years, I think it would be a perfect time to, yeah. to put the C on his chest.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's probably where the timing is going to happen if they do end up doing it, and I. Cause I've also heard like some explainers just like, well, why do you need to name a captain? I'm like, well, that's kind of like a thing. Like other teams do it. I don't know why we don't. And it, it just, I have heard that explanation as to why the reds have not named a captain. And it's almost like that. Well, why do you need a captain? She's like, that's not an explanation. Stop trying to make that like a point. That's not a point.
1: Ooh, this next one from Lucas, I think is in your lane, Jeff. Cause I know you kind of like this guy uh lucas wants your thoughts on jacob herdebys
0: i think it could be a late season call up but he's he's in that same that same vein and he's probably if i were power ranking the outfielders who could be called up this year he's behind blake dunn mm-hmm. but his his profile is very fitting for this team he's a contact hitter with a lot of speed don't necessarily know that the reds need a lot more power i I like the idea of a guy who can get on base and really run like Herdebees is one of the fastest guys in the organization so i think that would be a lot of fun and he could be a dark horse future center fielder candidate i don't necessarily know that he would hit for enough power to be an everyday player but he is the kind of guy that would at least be part of a team could be like a fourth or fifth outfield or something like that on the roster I just don't know that we see him this year. I think that it's more likely we see him mostly AAA this year, and then maybe he's in the mix next year to get a
1: call-up. I, I have heard of be on my 2025 list, Jeff. Um, I, I think Blake Dunn is your mid to late season. Now, of course, all of this is injury-dependent. Like If right. everyone's healthy and there's no injuries is what I'm talking about here. I see Blake Dunn all-star breaker later maybe more into september remember now with the september call-up rules it's not like it used to be where you can just bring up everybody that you want to bring up it's limited so i could see blake dunn as your september call-up cup of coffee guy kind of like they did with spencer steer uh, a couple years back and and take blake dunn that way and then her is a spring training invite in 2025 with an opportunity to play his way onto the roster I think.
0: Yeah, you only get two extra call-ups in the month of September now, so that's that does make it a little bit harder. So when you say that a guy could be a September call-up, it means a little bit more than it used to in years past. But I, I think I would kind of be surprised if we see Jacob Hurtabees in the major leagues this year. I think I put him in the category of if he makes the major leagues, that means that there's been a lot of stuff that's gone wrong with this outfield.
1: Let's I want to take this comment from Seth because, you know, when we recap the moves that Nick Craw has made, we don't talk about this move and it's really a much bigger move than it appeared when it got done. I think Mm. Seth says, uh, Luke Mailey is also a great cup clubhouse leader. Absolutely right. When they re-signed Mailey, uh, we, we did talk about it at the time. And I thought this was a huge move for the pitching staff having that stability back there. They've got both catchers now know all of the, the pitchers on this roster. They know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. They're comfortable working with each other. Uh, for all of those reasons, I, I thought he was a great signing. Uh, and this, Seth, is another one of the great reasons that the signing was important. Uh, it didn't move a needle. It didn't it did sh- surely didn't warrant the press conference Jersey holding that I've been talking about. Yeah. But this was a very sneaky, quiet, great move for the Reds, just from the stability standpoint, from the continuity standpoint, from, you know, the pitchers being able to continue and pick up when they come to Goodyear, right where they left off in their development. Uh, I don't think we can say enough how important it was to, to get Luke Maley back in the fold.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of pitchers that have developed that, you know, he's my favorite catcher mentality with Luke Maley. So that was important for the Reds to not, you know, forget about that and let him go into the open market. I do think that what we saw from him might be like his ceiling this past year, but that's totally okay. I mean, as long as he's, you know, catcher two and the reds aren't relying on him to be catcher one, then that is how this roster moves perfectly. And I know there's some people that think that he's better than Tyler Stevenson. I do not believe that at all. I think Tyler Stevenson is catcher one, but if Luke Maley is your catcher two, he's far better than a lot of catcher ones out there. So we, and we know what it's like whenever your catcher, uh, Catcher. Wait, what did I lose? I, I the catcher continuum is in uh flux like it was a couple of years ago. So the fact that the Reds have that nailed down and it's stable is a huge uh point of emphasis for this roster.
1: Well, and then the spare part signing of uh win right, who's now at triple A, just in case something goes wonky with the pitchers. I you know, I like I like the group of catchers right now. I I, I think Nick Crawl. Uh, that's one area we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about, but I think he did a great job there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kerry checks in and says, uh, if the Reds are desperate for pitching late this year, do you think Rhett Lauder would be ready? Um, uh, here's the thing. He might be ready. He might be developed more than everybody else. I really don't want them to call him up in 2024. I think there's enough other guys in the pipeline that there's no need to rush it. And with him coming off of arm problems out of college, I would really like to see them take a cautious approach with him, have him on a a hard pitch limit, not an innings limit, a pitch limit, and then shut him down when he hits it. And then bring him back in 2025 with a full go competition window if he can get through 2024 uninjured. Uh, I think it's too much pressure, too fast, uh, and could have too much potential for future arm problems if you let him try and fight his way to the big leagues in 2024. I would tell him, I would tell him straight out directly you will not pitch in the major leagues in 2024. These are the goals we want you to accomplish, Mm -hmm. and, and we'll talk again in 2025. That's how I'd handle him there
0: there are a lot of um college baseball experts and a lot of draft experts that say that pitchers who come out of Wake Forest are very near, you know, major league ready. And that's why there's been a lot of reporting that he could be available for the Reds and be an option for the Reds this season. There's two things that really depend on that though. His elbow health because there were some questions about that as he was drafted because it might have he might have been dealing with a little bit of something there and The other thing is the Reds roster and how it moves. The Reds have so many young pitchers that are trying to prove themselves already that adding another one to the list, I think it would definitely take some injuries, which I really hope we don't see. I really hope we're not in the case where, you know, half the rotation is out for most of the year or something like that, um, because I think that's what would probably trigger it. I think individually he's talented enough that he could be on the major league roster this year, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Like give him one year. Where he's working his way through, he'll probably start um, in Chattanooga. You know, I think he's more advanced that he doesn't have to start in Dayton, but I think he'll probably start in Chattanooga, probably pitch in Louisville, and I think that's all he needs to worry about. Like, don't don't put this on him where he feels like he has to get to the major leagues this year, because he could be a very viable option in 2025 as long as you're not like rushing it, forcing it, and putting too much pressure on him too fast that maybe he crumbles under it. I don't want to see that at all.
1: All right, let's jump into a couple more fun ones. I these usually end up being pretty fun. If you Alex asks, if you had to bring back one former Reds player to add to this current Reds team to put a lock on them winning the World Series, who would you bring back and why? Very curious of your takes. If, if are we talking active players or historical players? Because historical players, good God, um, my answer to the historical. Jeff's gonna get mad at me. My answer because I always go first. My answer is always Frank Robinson. It will always be Frank Robinson. It, every question like this, the answer is always Frank Robinson. Uh, historical players, but I'm gonna. I want to morph it a little bit, Jeff. Current, active players because the the historical guys. You, this we could be a whole episode. Uh, but yeah. active, active current players that you would that you would want to bring back. Uh, and I'm gonna go first again, Luis Castillo. I want him back. Let's put him in the rotation. I want to keep the guys we got for him, by the way. I yeah. just want Seattle to be like, you know, it's not working out. Um, hey. we're gonna just like a rule five. Here you go. You can have-, right,
0: have your cake and eat it too. I see what you're doing. Um, <laughs> I think just for argument's sake so the current I know your
1: answer is Jeff Hoffman just get it out of your (laughs) no
0: it's not Uh, (laughs) it's not Jeff Hoffman and I I saw a lot of folks that you know would say Sonny Gray to this and things like that I think I would say man trying not to pick Luis Castillo is tough so I think ultimately I'd, I'd end up picking Luis Castillo I still think I'd probably bring back Nick Castellanos um i think this lineup would just be insane with him in it and you could do the whole thing of you know would you rather you know hold your opponent to to you know two or three runs a game or would you rather score five or six and you bring him into this lineup you're scoring five or six a game i don't care who who you're facing but that's the counterpoint to luis castillo luis castillo is the answer
1: (laughs) remind me after we're done jeff that there was a comment in the comments that i could do a whole hour of uh locked on reds blue the late night edition off of remind me (laughs) i I want to remind you about that now (laughs) (laughs) you know something we didn't talk about earlier and i saw it in the comments and there's been way too many for me to go back and find it but somebody was talking about that they would rather not be the rally reds this year they just want to lead games and 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 you know have early leads and hold them. And I wanted to talk about it at the time and it moved on too fast, Uh, but I wanted to circle back to it because that was the Luke Weaver effect. Guys, a lot of that was the Luke Weaver effect with him, not on the team. I mean, how many of his starts? Like it was like 18 of the 20, whatever they, the reds trailed after the first inning and they managed to come back in the game. So I, I think from, from the point is not lost on me. I too would rather they led, Early on and 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 I bring all of this up Jeff because you know heading into 2024 the consistency of the lineup is going to be an important thing and and we did a whole episode on this where we outlined basically you can see a scenario where one through six one through seven as far as the batting order goes now I'm not talking about positions where they're playing defensively but one through six, one through seven batting order wise could pretty much be the same every day. And guys could just show up at the ballpark and know what they're doing and prepare. And I think that'll go a long way in, in scoring runs early and often.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of find this intriguing because he was a guy that, I mean, he had so many of those starts where it was just like, it's not, it's not looking good. They're giving up a ton of runs. And then they ended up, you know, There, there it is. Um, run support per game. He averaged when he was a red five runs a game were scored whenever he started. So that just tells you the baseline that he had. And he had so many games. He left 15 starts. He had 21 starts with the reds. He had 15, no decisions, which means he either left with a tie or left with with the Reds trailing and they came back and won and they they got them off the loss column 15 no decisions for Luke Weaver that's just how crazy that the rally was the rally Reds were and just improving the starting pitching as a whole like if if you're telling me that what the Reds did by adding Nick Martinez is they put Nick Martinez where Luke Weaver should have been then they've already upgraded the roster pretty well. So I I definitely still think that there's more to be done, but that, that in and of itself is going to be a phenomenal thing. But just think about that, like take the five runs a game. And this is going back in time because I always think of this guy when I think of run support. And I think, you know where I'm going with this, give five runs a game to Aaron Harang, dude would have won the Cy Young because he would have won 20 games. And that was back when winning 20 games meant something because I'm pretty sure like his run support as a red was like three, maybe three and a half if he was lucky. So five runs a game. That's just, that's crazy
1: to me. All right, let's end with this and we're going to get out of here. We're well over the hour mark now. And there's, there's so many of you watching right now live. Thank you guys so much. You know, once again, this is our last episode of 2023. I hit on this right before Christmas. Uh, And, you know, without doing a bunch of number stuff, I just want you guys to know that between 2022 and 2023 – you guys doubled in size. There's so many of you guys now and I appreciate each and every one of you. I love coming back to town and and stopping and talking baseball with you. I know Jeff and I are always blown away at the number of folks that end up stopping and talking baseball with us when we're wandering around the banks or wandering around the concourse at Great American and and we truly appreciate you. We you know, we do this because you're here and you're listening and 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 I can't say enough how grateful I am for that heading into 2024. I can't wait to continue to cover this team. Uh, many of you wrote out 2022 with us, and we're here for the excitement and the, and the change in direction in 2023. And we look so forward to what we hope is a playoff run with you guys in 2024. And you know what? I think, Jeff, never mind another one. That's a great spot right there to to wrap it up. Give us your Happy New Year thoughts, and, and let's get out of here.
0: Yeah, that that was something, and just to share a quick story, and it was so funny to me, but got the chance to go to Chicago this past year in, in May, and I went to a White Sox game, which, by the way, White Sox Stadium, very underrated. You should check it out. Um, I recommend going to a day game, though. That's that's still still a key. <laughs> uh, but I was on the north side of Chicago, like not six blocks from Wrigley Field, and we were at a brewery, and sitting there, and our, our uh, server came up and said, do you have a podcast? And it blew me away that I got that someone knew who I was in Chicago. It trips me out every time anybody comes up and wants to talk Reds with me. I absolutely welcome it, no matter where we are. Um, you know, Tampa. it's happened a lot.
1: of Same yeah, thing, for to me you, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's it's happened multiple times where I've got my mouth full of beer or, or some sort of food or something like that. So that's always a little embarrassing, but um, really appreciate it. If you if you want to ever talk Reds, definitely don't hesitate to to come say hello if you see us out and about uh but thank you so much for making us part of your day and talking reds with us that's where we will wrap it up our final episode for the year of 2023 so as every dad joke's probably gonna say we'll see you in a year thanks so much for making lockdown
1: reds part of your day see you later (laughs) With your mouth full of beer. That's everyday occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny.
0: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.